You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Welcome in to Action Movie Rewind here on Mackie and Judd, part of the Score North umbrella of movie review franchises. That's right. We've done uh, rom-com reviews. We have done sports movie reviews. I wanted to get you guys into horror movie reviews at some point, which I still think we can do. This is Action Movie Rewind. We do deep dives into some of the most prominent and popular action movies of all time. And gentlemen, it's time to duck for cover. Time to dive down into the cellar, hide for your lives, because we're going to review Twister, the 1996 blockbuster classic on today's show. Are you ready for one of the most terrifying movies of my childhood? Yes. <laughs> I, I saw it in the theater at the age of 26. Okay. You were old enough to be able to not have mental anguish as, a, as a, oh, an 11-year-old. Yeah. Like, but, I, but as a you kid, like it would have scared five. me. I was like five when it came out, and this was also though a regular rental of mine at Blockbuster. Oh wow! A very regular rental of mine at Blockbuster at the local Blockbuster. How old were you when you first saw this movie? I, I was, in fact, I remember it very vividly. Uh, I think I was about eight years old. So my parents um, took a trip to Ireland with like their two family best friends for like a week long, ten day vacation. And my sisters, who, and my, and I'm. I'm an, I'm an oopsie. Let's just put it that way. My sisters are 10 and 12 years older than me. So they were more than equipped, plus like, you know, aunts and other family friends helping out a little bit um, to watch my brother and I while they were on this Irish vacation. And my sister took me to Blockbuster. I remember this very vividly. I had never seen Twister, but I've heard about it. And I was like eight, nine. And my parents probably would have let me rent it regardless. But I remember watching this for the first time. And because they were in Ireland and they were gone, it was a parent-free week. That's the first time I watched Twister. And it's been yeah. probably also like I've only seen this maybe once or twice since like renting it all the time over the last yeah. 10 years. But, yeah, that was my first time watching it. OK, I, I went through a phase and I think this phase started a little before I saw the movie Twister. But I went through like a two or three year phase in the mid 90s. I was born in 1985. This is probably like 94 through through 96 around the time this movie came out where I was terrified of tornadoes. Mm -hmm. I got I remember being at some outdoor picnic with my dad. It was like a. I don't know, like work, you bring your kids to work type of a thing. And there is an outdoor picnic. And uh, so we're outside at some park and there's a canopy with like picnic tables, like a concrete canopy and picnic tables and tornado sirens start going off and the wind starts going crazy. We all had to duck for cover under the picnic tables and stuff. And I was like nine years old. And for the next two or three years, anytime it got windy in the summer, I would start to get nervous and. And so this movie only made that worse when I was inexplicably allowed to watch it as a 12-year-old. But uh, here's the summary. Did you ever have an irrational fear of weather or tornadoes, Judd, or did you just watch this movie with eyes well, wide 20, open? At 26, I, I didn't care. Uh, when I was a kid, yes. Uh, the, two okay. things that, the two things that scared me as a child were tornadoes frightened me and um, my house burning down frightened me. Oh, uh, we we saw when when I was in grade school they showed us well I mean this is the 70s and the clip was probably from the 60s this like you know what to do if your house catches fire and and the start is these kids playing in their basement with like um oh, with, with, with with those sports cars on tracks I, I forget yeah. what 
It, and, and like, it shorts out when the kids are sleeping and the house starts on fire. But, like, that, that, that scarred sticks me. That to you. That's terrible. <laughs> that scarred Dude. me. And it, that scarred oh me. It's like, you know, a, 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 oh, my God, a fire could start in another room and I'm not going to know. And, you know, it becomes, to, to your point, Phil, irrational. Like, you just get, like, overly, like, instead of being like, oh, cool, I saw this film and it's going to help me, you're like, my house is going to burn down tonight. Yes. So. Yes, that's how I felt. Like, like it would be 15 mile an hour winds and fully sunny outside, and I would be like, "Oh my god, there's a tornado coming! Oh, we're all gonna die!" And my yeah, mom would be like, "But it's Shut scary up. when you're little." <laughs> and I, I'm not sure I, with my family. My family like grew up as a family who loves storms. Like we would, we had a screen porch uh, in our backyard. We had like a we have a protective front porch, so we were the family. Like if there was severe weather going on, instead of getting in the basement. We would be outside on the porch watching it unfold. Okay. So, like, I, I'm, I was all about that, and I still am to this day. Like, if there's a thunderstorm going on, like, I'm ready to rock. Let's go look at that thunderstorm. Yeah. Did you guys? I, I, one thing I've always been fascinated by, even to this day, is, and it's not as prominent now because I think TV stations are a little bit more judicious with breaking into coverage of a TV show because everyone's got weather alerts on their phones and stuff. But you know, 20 years ago and and before. If there was a storm happening that night, I mean, local weather guy, local news would just break in and they'd just be on for like five hours, right? Yes. And so watching the the warnings come in, they'd have people calling in and giving updates, listen to the radio, WCCO radio. Like I was kind of fascinated. Once I got over the, the trauma of my, you know, age nine through 12 and became more of a teenager, I was fascinated by listening to storms unfold on the radio, watching on TV. Until you start started to like golf, and then you couldn't stand it because it would be like the Masters and be like, whoop, whoop, whoop. Well, we break true, into yeah. the Masters, like get off the uh, TV. Yes, don't interrupt. Don't interrupt my. You know what uh, I've my, always my, said my Bachelorette viewing. Yeah, I've always thought that storm coverage should be bid on like sports, and one station gets it. <laughs> so like CB, so so like CCO, if they don't get it, can't cut into. The Masters. It's like Channel yeah. 5, right? If you want storm coverage, go to Dave Dahl on Channel 5 because they won the bidding for storm coverage. How much would that bidding be worth if you had a radio, maybe less now, but 20 years ago, if if one radio, WCCO radio or, you know, you know, five eyewitness news, would you pay a million dollars a year in rights fees to just get access to you? You're the only station that can cut in live right. for. And like the rest of them had to say, we can't cover this. So you got to go to channel five. Sorry, You're unsafe watching our channel right now. <laughs> All right. Um, here's the summary of Twister. During the approach of the most powerful storm in decades, university professor, Dr. Joe Harding played by Helen Hunt and an unfunded, uh, underfunded team of students prepare a prototype for Dorothy the groundbreaking tornado data gathering service conceived by her estranged husband, Bill. When Harding tells Bill that Dorothy is ready for testing and that their privately funded rival, Dr. Jonas Miller has stolen the idea and built his own. Bill rejoins the team for one last mission. 62% on rotten tomatoes. This movie was a $90 million budget turned into $496 million at the box office. We'll get to more on that in a second. The Rotten Tomatoes critics consensus said a high concept blockbuster that emphasizes special effects over three dimensional characters. Twister's visceral thrills are often offset by the film's generic plot. So uh, they weren't too high on it. Starring Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton, the legendary and late Philip Seymour Hoffman, Carl Elwes and Jamie Gertz. Some fun production notes for you guys. This movie was directed by Jean de Bont, who directed Speed and Speed 2 in the mid-90s. 
Did not know that. Nice little run for him. So he goes speed oh into God. Twister into Speed 2 in the wow. mid-90s. Michael Crichton, the author, was paid $2.5 million to write the screenplay for this movie. He also famously wrote Jurassic Park and all of the sequels to Jurassic Park. Overrated. Bill Harding's character was set to be played by Tom Hanks. However, he was pulled from the cast and would later work on That Thing You Do as a director instead. Oh, Oh, good God. Thank thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Can you, like, like, well, here's the Hanks would have been great. Hanks would have been great, but That Thing You Do is one of my favorite films of all time. I love that movie. Oh, I love that movie. That's such yeah, it's a not fun an movie. action movie, but we should definitely review that movie. It's yeah. a we should just let's just film. review all the Tom Hanks movies. Yeah, all twenty blockbusters. That is so not surprising, though. Because yeah. yeah, you're right, Phil. Tom Hanks w- would have been the absolute like quintessential guy for this film. Mm-hmm. After filming in a particularly unsanitary ditch for the first tornado chase scene, in which Bill and Joe are forced to, ch- to shelter under an approaching F1 tornado under a short bridge. Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton needed hepatitis shots because they apparently were sick and exposed to hepatitis. Oh, below that gross bridge? They, wow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And then Twister went on to earn a total of uh, a quarter of a billion dollars at the North American box office, almost a half billion dollars overall around the world, as we said. It became the second highest grossing film of 1996 behind Independence Day and was the 10th highest grossing film in history at the time of its release, making it the most successful Warner Brothers film release, surpassing Batman. In, in 2001, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone took Twister's record for becoming the highest grossing Warner Brothers film of all time. And wasn't it the first, I believe in the, I was, when I was doing the Wikipedia and some production notes yesterday too, I think it was the first DVD released in the United States. Really? Twister was the first DVD produced in the United States. Interesting. Mm. A lot of interesting facts. Bill Paxton tragically died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, didn't I was reading on that, that last night. I looked that up. That's sad. Dude, In a tornado. Know. Yeah. Ironically. No. It was no, not in a tornado. Guy had the bad tornado. Yeah. He had the up. bad ticker. Bad heart, yeah. man. So let's get to statements about Twister. We'll start with Judd. All right. Um, I'm going to start off with the probably what could be considered low hanging fruit here, but it's worth a discussion. Here, my first statement is very simple. Man, have special effects come a long way. The special effects in this film, and I again, I saw this. They're in not the they're pretty, they're, They hold up a little bit, with, don't they? Oh no, 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 no. But anyway, at the explosion. time, at the time, they were really good. Um, watching it now, here's one thing, and I would love to see, and I, I don't know if there would possibly be production notes on this, but you know, the one thing that struck me, though, I think it was the last tornado that they go through. It's very clear it was shot on a nice day um, because as as this the graphic right of the tornadoes approaching and they're trying to hide and run, blah, blah, blah. Watch. You can see it's sunny. Like okay. you can see it's I'm, a nice day. I'm glad you brought this up. It's a nice day. Like it yeah. looks like it's probably 75. Um, gorgeous. No wind. Uh, and and so I'm just saying that in 19. 19- 96, to be clear, they tried probably as hard as you possibly can. And I remember, you know, it was impressive back then. Watching it in 2022, 
the shortcomings of the special effects and the fact that they shot on a nice day and didn't like try to mask that much at all. <laughs> yes. Is, it really stands out. Okay. Cause one of my notes, I'll just throw it into your, your statement here is that the sun's timeline makes no sense in this movie. So this movie <laughs> is, is taking place over basically a 24 or less hour period, right? This is all happening. They're not, they're not like going home and then coming back. And this is all happening. Bang, bang, bang in one day. And there are certain parts where it's fully sunny outside, but it's also pouring rain and right. there's a tornado coming. But then there's also parts where it's so that house gets destroyed and the aunt, yeah. they have to save the aunt. And it's clearly nighttime. It's pitch yep. black because they don't hear the tornado coming. Okay. And then like 10 minutes later, it's light out again. So did, yeah. did they have they been awake all night and now there's, there's a morning tornado happening, which I, it, it, it I agree with you. Now there is a, there's a note when I was reading through production notes, where some there's a website that has some continuity issues, and one of the big problems with filming was they had too much sunshine, and they like on the days they were scheduled to film or whatever, it was just really sunny over the course of two or three weeks, and they had a hard time cutting that out. So they had to try and do some things with special effects, but it was ultimately not possible to get rid of all of the sun apparently. So yeah. That really stood out. It's like, wait, is that, I thought it was nighttime. Now it's daytime again. Right? Is this, is this tomorrow? But, it's all, What's but you're also, right but but like an F five is coming at them, which means it would be like pitch dark, like at noon, right? Yes, like it would yeah. be pitch dark, and like they show them, and it's clear that oh man, it's very nice outside. Yeah. And but then here comes the F five, which is the biggest tornado. Anyway, that that struck me very quickly. Okay, that's that's a fair fair criticism, Declan. Uh, I'll go with this one. I'm glad I live in a metropolitan area. Uh, I understand that living in a metropolitan area uh, has more risks like carjackings or getting jumped or just dealing with the city life that is being in a metropolitan area. But I'll take all of that stew over having to deal with living in the absolute countryside in a dangerous ass tornado coming through. And I, I get that the, that the odds of like an F3, 4, or 5 really coming through your neighborhood in, in Kansas are probably pretty low, but they're certainly still higher than when you're in a, uh, uh, the, when you're in a metropolitan area, they're not going to happen, and there are probably still more of them that come in that tornado alley of Kansas and Oklahoma and whatnot. But I'm glad I live in a metropolitan area. Give me the city risks over having to deal with significant weather blowing over my home. I don't yeah. want to have to deal with that at all. I actually have a really dumb meteorological question here. So even in, in, in Minnesota, and I, I grew up from age eight through when I graduated high school, living out west of Maple Grove, out in the Corcoran Buffalo area, which is you know, 30, 40 minutes west of Minneapolis, St. Paul. And the, the weather out there would always be a lot more questionable at its worst. There would be tornadoes that would, and they would usually rip through further west or south. So we weren't in the exact freight train line. But, you know, the winds are a little more aggressive. The warnings are a little bit more frequent than when living downtown Minneapolis. I guess my dumb question is, why don't we ever have an F3 rip through the IDS tower? Like, why, yeah. do, why do tornadoes avoid big cities? That's a very good question, Phil. And, in fact, there, there was... They ordinarily and rarely do, but things have changed. Do you remember, do you guys remember four or five years ago, Atlanta had one go through downtown mm -hmm. and I think it hit the Georgia Dome. I think it was during, it might've been during the SEC basketball tournament and it was a big deal because it's so rare. And, and part of the changing of patterns they talked about was, was the, the fact that more and more now downtowns and heavily densely populated areas are being hit by tornadoes, which at one time 
basically didn't happen. Yeah. So it's it's changed. But, yeah, one definitely went through Atlanta, downtown Atlanta and caused a big stir. Well, North, North Commons in Minneapolis like six, seven years ago, they had like a pretty decent one come through that that ripped up some homes and whatnot. So like it, it's, it's right. still possible in a metropolitan area. But I don't know the actual science of why why it's unlikely that it happens in bigger cities. Well, I actually it's, I, I feel guilty now and I can probably email him. But for research on this movie review. I actually did consult with a meteorologist, Paul, uh, I want to get the pronunciation right, Paul uh, Iniguez, who is a loyal listener of the show. He's been a meteorologist for 20 years with the NOAA, which is the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration. So he has been, for two decades, a meteorologist, listens to the show. Awesome. And so I'm going to give you my next statement, and I can follow up with that question. But he gave me a bunch of notes and thoughts on this movie. And uh, I'm going to use one of them to respond to my first statement, which is Joe's dad at the beginning of this movie is an absolute moron. There was yes! no need to yes! hold on to that yeah. cellar door. Yes! He died completely unnecessarily, 100% his own fault. That's yep. what I said last week. Yep. I, yes, thank you. Okay, so I'm going to read some just some notes here. We can sprinkle these in throughout the show, but this is from loyal listener, meteorologist Paul. from, And these are his, just to preface this, these are his thoughts, not the thoughts of his organization, okay? All right. Uh, and this movie sort of helped spark his interest in getting into the field. He was 15 years old when the movie came out and uh, kind of pushed him in. Interest-wise, he'll say, up front, there's a lot that this movie actually gets right. For a big-budget Hollywood movie, it should get a lot of credit for being scientifically accurate for the most part. The majority of the scientific jargon the crew was spitting out made reasonable sense, and the scenarios were plausible, although obviously stretched. So that's interesting to know. Mm -hmm. Tornadoes don't suck. There is no suck zone, as Philip Seymour Hoffman continued to creepily say into the ear of Bill's fiance. Tornadoes are violently rotating columns of air. Yes, the pressure within a tornado is lower, but not enough to suck you out of a storm shelter, as happened to the dad in the opening scene. In fact, he likely would have been fine if he just hung back like the rest of his family. Also, the flying cow was totally unrealistic. How is it swirling around, but the truck driving doesn't move an inch? Doesn't make a lot of sense. So, yeah, like, dude, your family is just sitting over there. Why are you holding onto the cellar door? Makes no sense, and I'm glad that a meteorologist and, has proven my theory to be correct. Well, and what's so stupid is, worst case, worst case is the tornado sucks the door off, right? But the tornado is not going to then dip down below ground and get you. So, like, like if you had gone in the corner and and basically just waited it out, yeah. the worst case is the door comes off, it's gone, but the tornado's not go- going to, to then, like, say, oh, can I come downstairs and kill you, too? Its arm yes. reaches in and grabs I you. Love, yeah. I bah. love this point, though, because that's the, that's one of the main things, and, and w- when we teased to this film last week, I brought this up, drove me crazy. Yeah. Like, it's so stupid. Like, have the guy die not getting to the shelter. You know what we call that? Natural selection. And plus, so it sucks. So it takes the door. It takes it. Yeah. Paul, thank you very much. It's Paul, right? Paul. Thank uh, you yep. Very meteorologist much. Paul. We will hear You're more awesome. from meteorologist Paul. I have some oh, other nice. notes we'll sprinkle in later. But back to Judd here. Statements about Twister. Okay. I love that one. All right. My statement is this Bill was just there to get documents signed. So he brings his. <laughs> I love that you brought this up. He brings his fiance. <laughs> and, and look, Phil, you read the description, okay? So yeah. I'm going to tell you right now. There are so many ways that you could have gotten him for one last ride, right? 
Like, he's going to get divorced, but she's like, all these tornadoes are coming towards us. You've got to help. This is what we were, you know, we, we basically were married for this. My dad died because of an F5, and we have, like, there would have been so many plausible storylines to be like, okay, that might be a little bit of a stretch. But he brings his fiance to get a document signed. And the next thing you know, they're yep. all chasing tornadoes. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't he get the document signed? And and of course, then she doesn't. You can. It's just like what's that other movie we did rom com, uh, Sweet Home Alabama. Yes, where she goes to get the document signed, and then winds up just like being part of the town for a week. And her fiance is like, "Where are you?" <laughs> yes. Oh, I've just been drinking in Alabama for three days, trying to get my yeah. husband to sign some papers. Yeah. All right, Dex. All right, on that similar vein, and I, I have a question to propose to you in this statement: Who is the real villain in this love triangle? So I, I I think there are each of them kind of have their own weird villainous takes here. So between Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt, and uh, Jamie Gertz is the one who plays uh, uh, yep. Paxton's fiance. Okay, so Paxton just yes wants to get a divorce, right? Like he 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 wants to put this storm chasing career aside to a degree and start this new life with this now fiance therapist woman and, and move past it. He's going to be Hel- a meteorologist on TV, right? Right. And they were kind of mocking him for like, oh, you've. No, you're doing the lazy thing. It's like, no, I'm making six figures probably. Dude, if he's a meteorologist in a fairly big market in the mid-1990s, old Billy's doing pretty well, I think, on TV. I agree. And I have another statement on my next go-around about just that entire idea of of these has-beens and also the professionals. Um, But then also Helen Hunt is still like kind of trying to reel him in, like, hey, I I built the thing we've always been talking about, and then like it kind of sucks him back in. And the way I think it ties Jamie Gertzen to be a potential villain is – is she is just trying to take away Bill Paxton, whose real love is still storm chasing and probably still is in love with Helen Hunt. She is the least, uh, Jamie Gertz is the least of the villainous between the three, but also like, what are you, what are you doing now enabling him to go back to his ex-wife and go back to this previous life you're trying to take away from him? I'm going to answer, I'm going to answer your question with my next statement because she's not enabling him. Here's, here's the answer. Bill treats his fiance like absolute garbage in this movie. Think about all the things. First of all, okay, guy, get your affairs in order. I'm not going to come with you to get these papers signed. And she's apparently she's like a psychologist too. Yeah, she's on the uh, sex sex psychologist. Yeah, yeah. So I just started making a list of all the things that were just horrible treatment of this poor woman. So. (laughs) Patiently waiting on Joe to sign divorce papers while she gets stuck with some creepy storm chaser guy in Philip Seymour Hoffman who's whispering things like the suck of the tornadoes in her ear. <laughs> Super creepy. Uh, the suck zone or whatever he kept saying. Being forced into chasing <laughs> tornadoes with the ex-wife. Uh, it just like the fact that it took her 10 hours basically to break up with him. I would the the. The first minute that he ditched me to jump in a truck with his ex-wife after not getting the paper signed, I would have said, what? What are we doing here? This is right. ridiculous. Right. I'm not doing this. But that's my question. Why didn't they write a more plausible – like there would have been ways to get the Paxton character to the storm chasing that would have made more sense. It did makes you no even, sense. Did you need Jamie Gertz in this movie? Because no. Judd is – by the way, Judd's no. anti-love interest in all action movies. But you already had – the love interest intention between Joe and Bill. Did you need this weird third wheel that's just sort of sitting in the back seat and a damsel in distress? Just like, yeah, I, I, they almost no. like shoehorned her in or something. Oh, we got no. uh, we got Jamie Gertz on a guaranteed contract. How can yeah. we get her in this movie for 25 minutes? <laughs> 
I don't know, but yeah, it, it felt really weird, and it felt it felt a super forced way to do something that would have been pretty simple to do. Like he's back, br- like he loved it. That's fine. Yeah, and and within the span of like I don't know, ten, twelve, or eighteen hours, they go from supposedly being madly in love and charging out there together as a team to get those divorce papers signed to just without really fighting at all, just nope. amicably agreeing. Oh yeah, I guess you know what? Yeah, we probably shouldn't be together. Okay. Enjoy the storm. All right. I wonder, I wonder if you're right. I wonder if they got J- Jamie Gertz. They thought that they would need it, that character. And then as it developed, they're like, we really don't. But I mean, sh- she's a big name. I wonder if you're exactly right. Like oh. if they, cause, cause the way that they wrap that entire thing up is just stupid. Yeah, to, okay. To your point, I've just been thinking more about how could they have, how could they have entered the storm chasing with the background of, okay, this is a couple that has some tension and throughout their chasing of storms, they're going to mend fences. Couldn't they have just been married, but on the ropes? Like couldn't the first 10 minutes of the movie have been showing that they're married, but they're it's strife and they're on the verge of divorcing for whatever reason, because he wants to become a meteorologist and live a different life. And she has a different vision. And as there's this tension brewing all of a sudden, Oh my God. Okay. We're being thrust into this. Epic storm, right? Yeah, I just, I don't know. Uh, it just didn't make a lot of sense. It is weird. I'm with you on this one. Okay. All right, back to Judd. All right, more flaws here, but it's great fun. <laughs> it's it's fun with flaws, all right? So Jamie Gertz's character, who, as Phil said, is a, a sex doctor of some sort, Melissa. Melissa has, this is 1996. The best cell reception ever invented <laughs> in the history of cell phones, including today's iPhone, because they are li- they are going through tornadoes, like tornadic activity. Okay, yes. and she is on the phone with clearly perfect reception with some of her patients. It is the greatest cell. Like this is 1996. Also, why? Like it's okay to not answer your phone sometimes. Why are you answering your phone five were- different times? I think they. I think that was supposed to be comic relief of some sort to like lighten the mood of the movie. I don't know, but I mean, I mean, didn't it strike you guys that she's on an old school phone? Like this is pre flip phone. This is the ones where you pulled it out and, and, and got the antenna up, and she's talking to people, and they're like chasing a tornado that's right by them. <laughs> I know it's. I know I, I made the same note. I'm like, it drove me nuts how often she kept. They're going through this crisis. And there, there's literally a tornado coming from the left side, and she's just on the phone, like as if. But how could happened. she be on the phone? Like, I don't know. It if there sense. were cell towers, they were going to be in, uh, be in Topeka, Kansas, by the time that storm was done. <laughs> so true. Oh my god, it's amazing. Dex. All right, my next one. Uh, we we briefly talked about it in the last go around, but I love my statement is I love that they have to include corporate sellouts into storm chasing. I, I love that they, in they, two different factors of Paxton leaving the, the little rinky dink group to go be a meteorologist, and then their other cast off, um, his, uh, uh, who was the guy's name? Dr. Carl, jo- uh, Carl Elwes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Carl. Uh, yeah, Doc, Dr. Jonas Miller, who like was part of them, <laughs> but now has this like absurd team of technology and souped up cars. Like they, it, it's, it's hilarious that they had, they somehow are able to fit in corporate sellouts into storm chasing. Yes. And I wonder like how many people also view that because I also know, uh, uh when I wrote for Bring Me the News, and also I'm actually, we probably should have gotten Joe Nelson on this. I know this is Joe Nelson's favorite movie of all time because oh. I've actually been storm chasing with him before. Um, and he goes on storm chasing stuff all the time. Just for but fun? I, just for fun. He loves it. 
Wow. It's actually, it or, was pretty sorry, cool. It's Carrie Elwes, by the way. Not Carrie Carl. Elwes. Yeah. yeah um, but I, I, working for Bring Me the News, there was sometimes, and there, it's an unnamed meteorologist in the uh, metropolitan scene that used to DM uh, uh, us saying that we are enabling weather news and we're, uh, we're, we're, we're staunching fear into people and we're not real weather people. Uh, and I, I, th- I was reminded of that watching this because it was these corporate sellouts who are basically trying to take this storm chasing by the throat and like monopolize it. Essentially, um, I found it hilarious that corporate sellouts are yeah. literally in storm chasing and weathermen and weather women world. You know how sometimes there's actors too that they're prominent actors, but like like Amber Heard, for instance, with the whole child thing. I had never I had never seen an Amber Heard movie. I had I didn't see Aquaman. I as far as I know, I've never seen an Amber Heard movie, but she's a mm-hmm. very famous actress. And I think I'm pronouncing his name right, but Carrie Elwes, who played the the guy the you know, the, the guy that Declan's talking about, the the, the competitive Dr. Jonas Miller. Dr. Jones, right? I have seen so many of his movies. I don't know if so he was in Saw, he was in Robin Hood Men in Tights, he was in The Princess Bride, Liar Liar, he was in Glory, that Civil War movie with oh, Denzel Washington Glory. and uh, Matthew Broderick from the late 80s. I, I feel like I've seen a hundred of that guy's movies. <laughs> and some other actors or actresses are like, oh, yeah, they're famous. I don't remember seeing any of their movies before. Oh, my God. This guy's IMDb page is absurd. Yes. He's been in hundreds and hundreds Dude, of it's, things. I know. He's he's never – I don't – actually, he's Dude. also been in Stranger Things. He's the, he's the evil uh, – yeah, dude, he's he's one of the evil. Um... Oh, mayor. He was Mary Larry Kine. Yes. Okay. Yes, he was the mayor in the f- second season, I believe. Yes. Yes. Just one of those yes. dudes that's been in so many things. <laughs> he's in the Jungle Book. He's also going to be in a Mission Impossible movie coming up. He's going to be in Dead Reckoning. <laughs> so, just uh, carving out a nice little career for himself. All right. Um, my next statement. This might be my last statement. Here is. I don't understand how the aunt has enough steak, eggs, and food Dude. to just randomly sling Dude. a meal for like nine people. <laughs> it was incredible. Nine people to stop by randomly. Oh, we're, we're hungry. hungry. Uh, so by my there. math, let's say there. I think there was, I think there was eight or nine people at that. Well, timing wise, it looked like a breakfast, but they had already been storm chasing all day. This is where the sun and the timing doesn't make sense. Was it was it lunch? Was it dinner? It was sunny outside, but again, they had already chased in uh, like three different tornadoes. But she would need to at minimum she would needed to have cooked twenty to twenty five eggs and have had probably if you're going to do a steak for everyone, you just have eight or nine steaks ready to rock, and then all the other sides that she was slinging around them. It looked like an amazing meal, but who has that much food just ready for eight random people to swing by? Oh. I thought it was really weird too because last night we we literally made uh, steaks on the grill and and the and the gal brought like a thing of four steaks like four nice strip steaks and like two of them will obviously feed us handsomely but I was like well what do you want me to do with these other two steaks like should I freeze them should I keep them so like, no I'll just cook them all and then we'll eat the other two as like leftovers over the next two days yeah. but I thought of that too and I'm like how how do you just hoard steaks like this? How, where, where, did, where did all these steak and eggs come? The eggs I get. Like, eggs, that makes sense. You can have dozens and dozens of eggs. But you just have 24 eggs. eggs in your fridge? Well, like, I, that one's more easily to obtain than dozens of steaks. Like, because eggs just come in a dozen and they're like two bucks. So, like, it, it's, it's pretty easy to find eggs. But the, the amount of steak is what blew my mind. Well, actually, I think one of the guys even asked her, like, oh, how'd you get all these steaks? And she goes, did you see the cows out front? And, she, and the guy goes, no. And she yeah. goes, exactly. <laughs> 
That's a dead cow joke for those of you scoring at home watching Twister. Uh, do you guys have any more statements and or do you want me to read more facts from meteorologist and loyal listener Paul? Uh, I have yes, one more statement. More facts. And you got, uh, I, want, I got one more statement here. Uh, just that incredible soundtrack that we don't talk enough about. Here, here are some of the bands that are on the, the soundtrack for this movie. I looked this up. Van Halen. Yeah. And I think that's what Philip Seymour Hoffman's jamming to in his little storm van uh, when they when they start going. I think that's a van. I think that's a Van Halen song. And then also Soul Asylum, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Goo Goo Dolls, Shania Twain, the entire movie soundtrack. I don't. I, we're not talking about this movie soundtrack enough. It is a very diverse and amazing yeah. soundtrack. Yeah, there's so, there's some notes on some different websites just sort of lauding the underrated nature of this soundtrack. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, the meteorologist, uh, loyal listener meteorologist Paul here. I'm going to just dump some of these notes from him. Again, these are his thoughts, not his company's. Just want to make that clear. It seemed odd to me that the researcher's motivation to deploy Dorothy was because, quote, no warning system exists. Yet we constantly hear TV meteorologists saying certain counties are under tornado warnings. I think even throughout the movie that they show some of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first tornado warning was issued in 1948. Today, the National Weather Service issues hundreds of targeted tornado warnings with an average lead time of of 10 minutes. So they were trying to get it to 15 in the movie, saying it was like three minutes at the time. Now it's 10 minutes, apparently. Mm -hmm. Twister popularized amateur storm chasing, which is actually 18-hour days of driving across the uh, the plains, often resulting in seeing nothing. It actually has become kind of a problem. Too many people go out, and some with not enough knowledge of what they are doing, and they clog up rural highways. That's you and Joe. That's you and, and Joe, Joe Nelson just, yep. just on the back roads. <laughs> uh, a lot of the radar data that they showed in the movie was actual data and used a common research software at the time. One common error in the movie, radar does not tell you if a tornado is on the ground. It only scans the clouds above the ground and tells you how fast raindrops are moving. And then the final note here is, there is zero chance. Okay, th- yeah, we have to talk about this. There is zero chance they would have survived a tornado at the end, the F5 at the end. Think about all the debris and stuff. Yeah. Massive amounts of debris were flying through the air at 200-plus miles per hour. Think how much it had hurt getting hit by just a wooden shingle moving 200 miles an hour, yeah. let alone larger objects. Honestly, they probably would have died or been severely injured with their first tornado encounter holding onto the wooden bridge. But I digress. <laughs> It's so true. Yeah. They were running around outside. Away. There's just like fence posts coming at them and stuff. There's, they're not even getting like ducking them. Thing. I love how yeah. they duck them. <laughs> I forget when I went with Joe, he, first off, I remember he pays like $80 a year for this app that like tells him in depth weather and tornado facts that are like in the surrounding area. So he was driving the car and I was on his phone and we were like, we mostly went uh, like south and southwest of the metro, so like we didn't go too far out necessarily. Uh, but he was like telling me where this spin area was, or like where this like moisture area was. I was like in charge of reading this map, and we got like underneath a pretty cool funnel cloud. Like it never was a tornado that came down necessarily, but uh, it is remarkable that people like literally go out and do this in their free time. Yeah, and just what yeah, record um... it like. Yeah, just like record it, look at it. It, it, it is, it is kind of cool. It is a little bit of a rush, like when you're getting close to one. Like yes. I, it is, it is kind of cool. It is kind of sounds very cool. dangerous. Explain this to me too. Why do people? Why throughout the course of the, this film, beginning with the dad who dies, why? What's the obsession with locking doors? Like everyone, like if like if, when the tornado is coming, there's like three separate scenes where they lock the door. 
Well, yeah, I mean, just because the, the door might blow off. But that's if it's not, not it's going to blow, but the whole building's going to blow up. Like, like that, that, <laughs> bi- that big tornado that hits at night, and they're all at the outdoor, um, the outdoor movie. They run into that, I don't know what it is, like huge barn shed yeah. to go downstairs, which is, you know, which is smart. But they lock the door. They're like trying to lock the door. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would provide a well. I guess there. I guess Mr. Tornado can't hit here. The door is locked. <laughs> uh, all right. Before we get into the definitive villain rankings uh, and the entertainment value rankings here, let's talk about our friends at Aquaside first, Declan, who are helping to power this episode of Action Movie Rewind. That's right. Aquaside products are easy to use, and they begin working right away. You can uh, go out on the lake in a couple weekends here on the 4th of July and notice a nice, clear lake. You don't want to step into that algae or that lake weed that hits the bottom of your foot, especially when you're on a nice pontoon ride. It's the last thing you want to see, and Aquaside can help you take care of that uh, of that lake weed and algae, and they can get it removed for you with their Aquaside pellets. This do-it-yourself product. They walk you through how to use it. Also, the shipping is free. And these products are registered with both the EPA and the DNR, so they are safe products. Uh, they're located in White Bear Lake here in the Twin Cities, but also you can go to Aquaside.com to learn more. Aquaside.com to learn more. All right, boys. These are the definitive villain rankings here. Or, uh, yeah, well, we give it a rating, and then we rank based on the ratings here. So to this point, we've reviewed four action movies in the reboot of the franchise here. We did, we did like 55 of these a couple years ago. And we're going to do a bunch of re-reviews, but this is one we've never reviewed before. So uh, Surfer Bodie from Point Break is the top villain so far, a 7.3 out of 10. The British car-loving gangster in Gone in 60 Seconds was a 1.3 out of 10 for us. And then Personal Demons, the villain in Top Gun Maverick and Top Gun the original, both got a 1 from us. So we're looking for how iconic is the villain, how ruthless is the villain, and how charismatic is the villain. And to me, the villain in this movie is an F5 tornado. Yeah. Yep. That's what they're chasing. That's mm-hmm. what killed her father. That's what the big showdown was at the end against an F5 tornado. So uh, on a 1 to 10 scale, we'll start with Judd here. How would you rate the F5 tornadoes in Twister as a villain? Well, considering that the special effects now don't ring true as they did then probably and that it's got no personality, but it does go... I like that. Like it, it's hilarious when it comes out. It, it's it's like breathing. It's it's got that tornado thing. I'm gonna I'll give it a three. A like, three? Three? I'll, I'll give it a three. A yeah. three, dude. It's a what? tornado. It yeah, but it's a fake tornado, and it's now not well, as plausible. I'm, go, I'm okay. Well, Surfer Bodie is a fake character. Like I'm how far down that it, path do you want to go? I'm going to give it right, but but what I'm saying is it's fake, and it's 1996 fake, and it's not as good as it should have been, and it comes out on sunny days. It's fine, but it's a three. It's got no personality. It doesn't have a big I enough th- personality. I think because of that, it's not a human. It doesn't have the personality. It is scary. It doesn't have a human error to it. And it, it it literally sucks up homes and cows and all this it, stuff. I know the cows thing wasn't true, but it's right. it's it's terrifying. I would give okay. it. A se- I give it a seven. I give okay, it a so seven out of ten. I'm gonna okay, three. okay, a three and a seven. Uh, so he, here's my logic on this. Let's go through the criteria. How iconic the movie is called Twister. It was literally one of the biggest selling movies at the box office in the history of cinema at the time. So from an iconic standpoint, it's a ten. Ruthlessness, it's an F5 tornado. It's killing people. Killed someone right at the beginning of the movie. It's its eating up houses, people's lives. 
Mm -hmm. So from a ruthless standpoint, it's a 10. All right, charisma, this is where it gets weird because it's an inanimate object. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a weather pattern. And so maybe the, for the charismatic score, maybe we can ding it for bad special effects or something. But uh, So I'm going to ding it a little bit on the third piece of criteria, but it's a nine for me. The movie wow. is called Twister. Wow. It's one of the most iconic movies I of need, my lifetime. I need Bill or Joe to die to raise it up. <laughs> what? What? It leaves Bill and In Joe alone. In what action movie does the hero die at the Bill end? And you could kill one of them. Uh, the late, I can't. Should I spoil it? I shouldn't spoil it. Well, and you should have killed, uh, <laughs> and they should have killed J- Jamie Gertz's. At the very least, kill, kill her. In fact, you know what? It would have been better if they had killed her, and that's how uh, Joe and I will Bill agree with that. They should have, they probably should have, they probably should have killed her. I will agree with that. I'm digging it. It would have been another reason for them to come together. Okay, this gal's gone now. So. Yeah, we that kill with Tornado. Yeah. Put, like, a pole through Dr. Jonas and what's-his-name. Like, that would be a horrible yes. way to die, Did dude. You... And then get sucked up in that hilarious explosion at the bottom. Yeah, I was going to say, that dinged it, too. <laughs> that, that explosion was the most. It's like, give that a little more work, huh? All right, let's go to the end of the overall. So, by the way, uh, it's a 6.3 score. So, it's now the second most <laughs> highest-ranked villain in our rankings here behind Surfer Bodie. Can't believe you gave it a 3. All right, yep. entertainment value on a 1 to 10 scale, Twister. So Top Gun Maverick is a 9.3. Top Gun, the original, 8.3. Point Break, 7.8. Gone in 60 seconds, a 4.7. The entertainment value to me was actually, because of faults as well, pretty high. I'm going to give this, Phil, I'm going to give it a 6. Okay. okay. I give it a solid 7. It definitely has stopping ability on the TV uh, to it right like if if you're, you're doing the channel surfing and you see twister i'm probably watching at least a couple through the commercial breaks maybe not the whole thing start to I was finish gonna say, yeah I've, i, I don't, I don't know if i'd yeah i don't know if I'd, I'd finish but i would definitely stop and maybe dabble after the first commercial break too uh, it's, it's a seven out of ten i think it's a seven seven out of ten i'm right there with declan it's a good solid movie it's I don't know. It's not one that I'm dying to like. Anytime a Rocky movie comes on, I'm just like, yes, right. this is amazing. Yeah, you Twister. Don't stop. All right, I don't. I'll stop on Twister if it's late at night or something, and uh, you know, there's no commercial break. So it, it's a it's a good solid movie. It's uh, some interesting actors and actresses in here. So it's a seven for me, which makes it a six point seven score between us, ranking it just ahead of Gone in sixty seconds on the standings and below Point Break. So there you have it. That's very fair. Okay. All right, we're we're gonna do face off next week. We've had oh, so wow. many re- so many requests for face off. I know All we right. already did a Nicolas Cage movie in here, but we'll we'll get another one out of the way. Travolta, right? Travolta and, Travolta. and Nicolas Cage at their absolute peak in the mid nineteen nineties. <laughs> face this off movie. is two hours and twenty minutes, which is a little over Judd's yeah. runtime. But I'm, I might have to break this up. Okay. This scared the crap out of me when I first saw it as a kid. Really, I saw this way too young. It's just the idea scared the scared the bejesus out of me. Very innovative movie. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what this movie's about, Judd? No, I remember when it came out, but I didn't see it. Okay. Okay. I'll let you watch it. Yep. It's it's an interesting plot, and I'm sure that'll be a a major topic on the on the statements next week. All right. Face off with Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. We have not done this movie before. It sounds like Judd has never seen it before, and uh, it's been about 20 years since I have seen it i rented this vhs or I, i'm sorry i got this vhs as a gift at like christmas or birthday when mm. i was a kid you know the vhs copy 
So there you go. Action Movie Rewind here where we do deep dives, way too deep dives into the most popular action movies in the world. We'll see you guys next week and on Monday for Mackie and Judd.